8,000 people here. At least 8,000 people. There's actually five. I'm glad we have five. We, we uh, have five loyal fans. You know the crazy thing about it? Awesome time here at the Rio. You make fun of me about fudging numbers, okay? I'm not fudging. But this is not a joke. Why we <laughs> our in-house crowd has been a little bit down in the back of the, uh, the Rio here. Back here We're in the alley. About a mile from the front door. Uh, I am glad to announce, and I have it. This is an actual number. We hit an all-time record. We had 5,000 downloads the day before yesterday. 5,000 downloads in one day. Look at that. I'm not kidding. No, he, he, I, I got the same text. So while we have five people here to watch us today, thank God our streaming and everybody watching on our YouTube channel and at Rump Chat on iTunes. Thank you guys for turning in day number seven. And what a day it is. Um, I don't want to jinx it, but my wife, Ashley Rumford, is sitting seventh in the world in Pro Fantasy Rodeo to win the truck or $50,000. So with fingers crossed, we're hoping that we are going to get to that point. Because that, how cool would that be, like, for me to win a new pickup because of her team? <laughs> on, on the other side, in round five, uh, oh, round four, I set a new Pro Fantasy record uh, that no one's ever done. Everybody on my team didn't win a dollar. Not one person won a dollar at the whole thing. So that's something new. Um, I don't like to brag, but 89% uh, of all pro fantasy teams are actually above me right now. So something to shoot for as we go into perf number seven tonight on the downhill sling. And you know what? I want to do a new something new on Rump Chat. Okay. I want to say about the people I don't like. Well, that's new. The two new people, yeah, exactly. the, the two that people I new, don't like it? today are my friends that I've decided not to be friends with anymore. Um, Jersey Jake, who's up here with Live with Lucia, he's no longer my friend. And Matt Merritt, the great PBR and PRCA rodeo clown. Matt and, and Jersey are no longer my friends. So everybody, boo them, boo, yeah. And here's why. Last night at the Mandalay Bay, where they have their little watch party, Hank, you're late. Get a seat. <laughs> you about didn't have a seat. Yeah, exactly. Hard to find, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> but anyhow, last night at, uh, at the Mandalay Bay, Vince Neal, the lead singer for Motley Crue, was actually at the Mandalay Bay party, and he was sitting in the stands, right? And uh, Matt Merritt didn't know who he was. He goes walking so down here, there. Here's the thing. So Jersey plays some music during the deal, and he brings – for the bull riding, he played uh, Shout at the Devil. And this guy comes by Matt, and Vince was a little intoxicated. He was full. And he says, that's me singing. That's me. And Matt comes over to Jersey and says, yeah, some guy over here said that's me singing. And Jersey's like, really? And he couldn't see him, so he went to the bathroom and went by and saw that it really was the guy singing. Vince Neal, lead singer of Motley Crue. The actual, not like, and so not like a look-like. He was the real guy. Yeah. So, plastic surgery and veneers and all. So, uh, Matt really disappoints when he doesn't know who Vince Neil is. Well, then they say, like, rockers like us, that doesn't happen to. It's got to happen to those two guys. They. He sent me a picture. We're joking about this, by the way. He's. Oh, I'm not. But what, he's not okay. I'm not okay with this. I know you guys. Nobody can't can see, see this. the picture. I don't know why you get it out. 
I've got a picture, and they they sent it to me just to be dicks. Like, yeah, me too. They're like, hey, look who we found. I'm like, wow. The thing that makes me feel better is, uh, well, you know, Vince is an old rocker, and he's put on a few pounds, and uh, I've, I've you know gained a little bit since high school. So you can be chubby and still rock, okay? But uh, I don't I don't have the – his face looks prettier than mine <laughs> due to – Plastic surgery, but uh, in my in my defense, there's not a whole lot of plastic surgery options in uh, K County, Oklahoma. So you're just stuck with what you see here. But I I cannot believe that they got a picture with Vince Neal, and in the meantime, I'm getting harassed by a little old lady last night on a cart. Okay. Yeah. Tell tell them. Uh, so first off, and then you make you know you got they make the social media posts where it's like appreciate Vince at Vince Neal. To come and buy the the whatever watch party. I'm like, he was already there. He didn't come down like going, sitting in his mansion going, you know what, I think I'm going to go watch Matt Merritt and Jersey Jake at the Mandalay Bay. If I was him, I'd get tickets. That's where I'd watch the rodeo. I'll give him tickets. Yeah. You hear that, Vince? Free tickets from Rump Chat. We actually have uh, for tomorrow to give away. And we got two plazas two to plazas. give away. Two plazas. Now, the, the joke that I pull every night, and it gets old for everybody that is there, but I love to say at the end of the, my watch party at the Orleans, we say we're going to give away two gold buckle seats to tomorrow night's rodeo. They're balconies. And uh, they're not just balconies. They're super balconies. Like when you pray in, in those seats, God hears it first because you're right by them. I mean, you're in the heavens, okay? But I say they're gold buckle seats because if you have a gold buckle, you can sit in the seats. And people get horribly disappointed. Two nights ago, though, uh, we had the dance contest, and this guy won the two tickets, and then he walked to the side of the dance floor and sold the two tickets he won for 240 bucks to another drunk guy right in front of me. I could have made that money, okay, because we get it for free, but so tomorrow's tickets that we're giving away are actually legit plaza tickets. From uh, Pendleton Whiskey. Yeah, from our Thank good you, friends Ms. at Jancy. Thank you, Jancy. So while... We may be advertising plaza tickets for tomorrow. It's actually true. Now, if you yeah, because I'm saying it. Yeah, you can trust me, people. You can't trust him. But no, I'm I'm coming clean. If you come to the Rumps Rodeo Party, the tickets you win are balconies, uh, section. I don't know, way up <laughs> in the air, like. If but you you're inside the building. That's yeah. all that matters, right? If you have to go pee, enjoy a $16 beer. If you have to pee thirty dollars to park. It's a 35-minute walk. It's worth it. Yeah, it's they're not close to anything. But, yeah, who cares? You know, you're there for the experience. And uh, so how yeah. about how about Glenn, uh, speaking of, you know, Glenn Templeton, the opening line. It was a good song, huh? It was a, it was a rocker kind of. I like the opening a lot better last night. Yeah, the last two nights the songs have been more upbeat. We'll say that. Who's up for tonight? Can you can you tell us that, Hambo? Um, tonight is actually military night, unlike what Wayne Brooks said last night. He said, tonight's military night. Well, no, it's not. Did he get fined for that? Uh, no, I got fined again, though. Yeah. Well, we'll tell about it later. But <laughs> um, So, uh, no, tonight's military night. Got a, uh, a cool thing. Um, a guy, uh, a really nice, she's a, uh, I don't know, you. it's not country western. I think they, they call it an American western singer. She's got a beautiful voice and, and uh, singing patriotic. Um, um, is it God Bless America? No, I can't remember. Anyway, I can't remember, but it's, it's neat. She's got a beautiful voice and some cool video because it's military night yeah. at the rodeo, and we're going to do some, some cool stuff for our men and women who serve. So, and anyway, I want to give you guys a shout-out, too. 
at the production team at the national finals. Last night was something really cool. They actually introduced the bullfighters and the rodeo clown John Harrison. Was that not awesome? Because so many times, uh, you know, the pickup men don't get no love. The bullfighters don't hardly get any love. The, they hardly ever talk about the barrel man. The contract personnel, you know, uh, kind of get swept underneath the rug sometimes. But last night they actually had a bull riding opening that featured uh, the great bullfighters and John Harrison. So yeah, thank you at NFR, at Vince Neal, at <laughs> Rup Chat. Thank you for recognizing those poor bastards that get the crap hooked out of them all year long so they can be at the finals. Okay. First off. Now it's fun now time. They, most rodeos, they come out, and I mean, an, on an average, fight, what, maybe eight bulls? Maybe eight bulls, and guys like that, and they're worth it, get paid a lot of money, and then it's like every time, you know, a trash guy would pick up a trash can and dump it in the truck, and the announcer would brag on it. They get bragged on for doing their job. Have you ever got ran over by and a I bull And I asked Boyd one time, Boyd Paul Hammond, I go, Boyd, why do you brag on He goes, have you watched the bull riding? A lot of times nobody's riding. He goes, I got to brag on something. <laughs> but those guys are good. Like, you you have to brag on Tugness. Well, I know. Those guys, I'm not, you're taking it wrong. Did you hear that? The Josh Hilton hates Dusty Tugness. You <laughs> heard it right here on Rub Chat. Rusty Duckness. He thinks bald people like Dusty are not very nice. No, but it was it was cool last night to do that. And we're going to do it again. Tonight's uh, not going to do it. They got something else. But there's a TV break, a short break right there we have to take. And so um, kudos to to the team for going, hey, let's give these guys their, their due diligence because here they dang sure work their butts off. Yep. And they're worth it, and they're, they're bad cats and my friend. So speaking of friend, let's bring on um, not only a guy that's our friend, he's a world-class stock contractor, has had, I don't know, what was it, a few years ago, had like 20-some, 22 head of fucking stock Had here. the most stock at the NFR two years ago, yeah. Yeah, um, and he's a proud partner of uh, Rump Chat, and we're so honored he came and took the time today because it's a cool story. Ladies and gentlemen, stock contractor Pete Carr. Two cars. Two cars. Two cars. Pete loves talking on the mic, don't you, Pete? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is way better. Yeah, for sure. And um, the, the best thing I like is sometimes, you know, because we like to have everybody, different kinds of people come on Rump Chat, but most of all, we like when uh, uh, sometimes when other contractors stop by, we make sure they sit behind the Pete Car Rodeo side. Okay. Well, at least they know who's in charge. That's yeah, right. For sure. But uh, so, like like Hambo's just said, you guys always get a lot of stock to the NFR. Two years ago, you had the most stock. Was it two years ago? I don't keep up with it, but we we get our fair share. You know, sometimes we have good years, sometimes we have. You know, not so good, but um, we've we've got a breeding program that kind of fluctuates like everybody. Heck, yeah. when I started coming here, Sankey and, and Kessler's, they'd had like 50 horses mm -hmm. here. So, you know, it ebbs and flows. Yeah, I, I remember those days when the late 90s was like, the in, like you said, the, uh, the ups and downs. If you remember the late 90s uh, with Sankey Rodeo, with Schizo, with Dunny, with... Uh, William, that uh, going on. Sheep yeah. Wagon, Sheep Tick, Broadway, Broadway. They had all those, and then you know that kind of goes down, and, and uh, Wade's kind of brought well, that back well, up. Well, it doesn't really go down; it gets spread out, and the genetics get spread around, and people start breeding out of those animals, and then they're named different animals. You don't really realize unless you track it that those animals, they're you know maternal siblings and things are out there bucking somewhere. 
Uh, yeah. you just They're not as infamous as back in the day. You know, yeah. They don't focus as much on the names of the animals. Well, and as a, as a contractor now, which uh, I don't think a lot of people think of, but we kind of thought about it the other day. You know, in, in the, the late 80s, the 90s, there wasn't 60 stock contractors. Right. I think there's but 64 card holding firms. Yeah, so like right. now. Is that right? Right now? Yeah. Oh, right now there's close to 90. 90? Really? Wow. Boy, I, I think there's 80, 88 or something guys here. Wow. 88? Yeah. Whew. It's like one per guy. Is wow. about what it breaks down. 1.3 animals and per company. So let me ask you, how many <laughs> how many stock do you have sitting at home that should be here? You know, everybody has a lot of animals at home they think she should be here, and that's a great thing because the competition is what it is, and that's what makes this sport so good is everybody's trying to be good and better and improve their program. So that's why we keep growing. Well, and the one thing the one thing I really like about Pete Car Pro Rodeo, um, you know, we, we hit on this a little bit the other day, is – you guys are, are classy, and when you when you have Pete Carr pulling to a rodeo, some of the great rodeos you put on, like the San Angelo Stock Show and Rodeo. Yep. You guys have big black Peter belts that are shined up with big stacks and says Pete Carr Pro Rodeo down. You like your your pickups look good. Your goosenecks got you know your bucket horses on the side, and you got a great crew. Uh, one thing I've noticed in being in the rodeo business as a low to mid level uh, employee. <laughs> um, you know, the, the turnaround for most stock contractors, as far as help goes, is a lot for most rodeo companies. And I, I know that from working for so many different venues throughout the year. There's so many people that the crew is different almost every month, maybe year. But at, at your rodeo company, your crew never hardly changes at all. It's the same crew every year. You got a great bunch of guys that, that, that help put your rodeos on. We, we really do. Of course, we get a lot of great opportunities to work with people like San Angelo and people out there. But more importantly, we want the consistency. We want to take the learning curve out of it to where we're not retraining people every rodeo. So we want the, you know, we don't have to have meetings for the rodeo and go, hey, you're working here, you're working here. Everybody knows their job, their position. They got a certain skill set, and we put it to work. And, and we've, over the years, acquired, uh, you know, a lot of recognition from that, from the Guatneys, you know, winning secretary and, and timer and John being at the steer open finals and, you know, of course, all our bullfighters and pickup men and Josh and Jeremy and Bryce and Clay and the group. So, I mean, you know, Jamie's worked here. She times for She's timed the NFR. So, I mean, you take some of the best people in the business and put them together. Yeah. It, I mean, I mean, surround yourself with good people. That's yeah. the key. I don't do very many things well, but I try to do that. <laughs> well, and that's that's the one thing you told me years ago, because uh, when I first started clowning rodeos and being around Pete, uh, which actually me and Pete go really far back, but that's a whole other story, because he got on bucking horses in Abbeville, Kansas, at the Lyle Sankey Rodeo School and stayed in the old gym house. I did. Way back in the day. Way back in the day. So I may, I may have stayed in the Wichita airport that night going home. Yeah, I was doing it. Yeah. They kicked me out of the bathroom because I was trying to sleep in there. Come to find out you can't stay all night in an airport. But <laughs> anyway. Wait, not in Wichita, but, um, <laughs> you, you know, so when I first started coming around you and starting to get to know you, the coolest thing, and I'd never really seen this from the contractor side because I worked for Benny Butler for so long, but, um, <laughs> like, I, I've noticed that the Pete Car Rodeo, you're not out there, like, trying to micromanage. You're not out there yelling at your crew. You know, at, at the rodeos, you, you 
you've established your group of people, and, and I, I don't know if you remember when you told me, I think we were at Jacksonville, Texas the first year, and I said, Pete, you're not going to go out there and make sure your crew ain't messing up? And Pete said, I hire good people so I don't have to watch them. And I think that's a, that's a pretty cool deal, you know, as, as far as a crew, because uh, they don't want to let you down. They, they work hard because, you know, you guys also have a lot of fun, especially John Wagley. That works for you quite a bit. Uh, has has a good time. And after the rodeo, you like to. Uh, I learned this about Pete. Pete likes wine. Any wine drinkers here? Good wine. So <laughs> the good funny wine. when when I first started feeling comfortable enough to do this during <laughs> San Angelo, as a lot of people know, sometimes during the uh, uh, barrel racing, I like to slip out, maybe have a little drink before the bull riding starts. You know, loosen up a little bit. Well, I also like to do that during the grand entry, and then. After the grand entry and then during the mutton busting and sometimes during the team roping. During, I, during the bronc riding. Well, I like to. So Pete during got, the barrel racing. <laughs> Pete got me where I was drinking wine. And I really like to drink wine. So I'd go down to uh, Walgreens and uh, get a, a bottle of uh, Barefoot Merlot. And uh, so I was like, I ran out of wine. Well, I know that Pete and his, his uh, bus, he's always got wine in there. So I thought, you know what I'll do? He'll never know. I'll run in there and grab a bottle of his wine and drink it, and then tomorrow I'll go back to Walgreens and I'll just replace it, and he'll never know. What I didn't know is wines have different dollar values. Then I, I got a bottle of silver silver, oak. Uh, silver uh, no, silver oak, $120 a bottle, and he drank one Yeah, by himself. And I replaced it with a $4 bottle of Merlot. And I put it back in the bus. From the stripes. For like a year later, it was still there. So I guess the older the wine, you're just aging it. So it'll be. We're laying it down. Yeah, <laughs> we're laying it down. Oh. It will get there eventually. I won't be alive, but it'll get there. <laughs> well, did you hear that, everybody? He just gave me the, the go-ahead to get back on his bus. And then you started locking it because this year at Hempstead, same kind of deal, Hempstead, Texas, it rained and it was muddy. And I thought, man, I'm going to get me a bottle of wine. And I grabbed the side of that bus and the door was locked. So, I think I did give you a bottle to take home you to your give lovely it, you, wife. You said you, I have to take it home and give it to Ashley. Yeah. And you've done that before, and the bottle didn't make it home. So now when he gives me a bottle of wine to take home to my wife, when we get home, Ashley has to text Pete a picture of her holding the unopened bottle of wine <laughs> so I don't get in trouble. It's all about controls. You put controls in place like that and make sure the gifts get back to the people that deserve them. Well, and I, I want to brag on you real quick, too, um, not just because you give me a large sum of money and hire me for your rodeos, but Pete's a pretty great guy. Uh, you know, in, as far as contract personnel go, like if, if a contestant gets hurt or sick, you can turn out. You know, you don't have to work. You're not required to be at the rodeo. Well, when I was working for Pete, I was clowning, and I, I got strep throat, but not just a little strep throat, like bad, bad, bad. I had to miss a performance um, at the rodeo because I went to the hospital. I went to the urgent care to get medicine, and they said, you have to stay with us, and I spent a day and day and a half in the hospital, so I missed the perf that day. Well, you know, I mean, so there just wasn't a clown because I was going to try to uh, pull off the deal like I did in Nephi when that, Homeless guys sold me that stuff, and I felt good enough to jump over the moon, which I don't know what it was, but, man, it worked. But um, I missed that perf, and uh, Pete could have said, no, you only work three performances. We're paying you for three, but he went ahead and paid me for the whole rodeo. And I really appreciated that because 
you know, I, I think sometime in the rodeo business, it it gets kind of hairy when you get to dealing with with uh, stuff like that. You know, like there's not a there's not a set sheet. You know, if a bullfighter gets hurt, uh, like Weston did one year at Austin, you know, two perfs left to go. Do you do you not pay him? Do you do? I mean, so I just I always really appreciated that about Pete because I really think that you genuinely love rodeoing. I do. Yeah, <laughs> I do. You know, I'm, obviously I'm passionate about it. That's what I've done for the last 20 years. I did it when I was in high school, did it when I got out of high school. You know, uh, it's just, it's, you know, I've never done cocaine, but I'm pretty sure it's just like it. Uh, once it gets in your body, it's, it's hard to get out. It's hard yep. to make a life change. You know, I'm so deep in the pond right now. I mean, I can never do anything else. We, we sit around and talk about it. Hey, what else will we do? Well, now we got kids rodeo in high school, and we're going to high school rodeos, and they're going to be going to college. So, I mean, you never, all your friends rodeo, all your friends are at the rodeo. You you know, so that's 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 your life. You know, you live it every day like Resistol says. Um, you know, that's what we do. We're, we, you can't deny it. So we are part of it. We love it. We put everything we have into it. We want it to grow. We want it to be better. We try to be better every year and, you know, keep going. So how did you kind of tell a little bit of your story? You don't have to go on great length, but uh, it's it's really neat um, how you got into rodeo. So uh, when I was in the first grade, no. Um, <laughs> do it. <laughs> do it. No, we asked a question to a guy one time like that. He started off. I'm not, I, we had to shut him down after about an hour. <laughs> it's like, oh, no, really. Um, no, I got into, how did I get into rodeo? I started, uh, you know, I wanted to, I grew up in town, um, you know, in a government subsidized apartment with a single mom and didn't know anything about it and wanted to rodeo and saw this school, I think he had a school, so, well, I actually went to Bob Blackwood School first in Mansfield, got on 15 horses that day, the 16th tour broke my collarbone, drove myself to the hospital, got that fixed. Then when I got that fixed, I went to the big school, to Abbeville, took a big trip up to Abbeville. And um, so, you know, just loved it from day one, met a lot of great people, you know, never really was that great a competitor, figured that out real quick, had to work, um, and uh, just got connected with it, never really got out of it. Um, you know, just love horses, love rodeo, love the people, and uh, couldn't couldn't think of doing anything else. Wouldn't go back and change anything uh, to who I am today. Why? Because of the journey and all the people and everything that I've experienced. So it's it's been great. Yeah. I got one more question for you about that. So when you started your rodeo company, when you first started uh, your rodeo company, did you ever think that 20 years later you'd still be rocking and rolling down the road? Uh, I really didn't know if I'd ever put the first rodeo on. <laughs> it, was, it was questionable. Um, I really didn't, you know, you think you know, but you don't know. And so just because you've seen rodeos, you think you can do it. But, I mean, there's just, as you guys know, so much involved, so many details, so many levels. It took me so many years to kind of get get to where I was comfortable doing it, putting them on. And, you know, you you surround yourself with great people. You learn from other people, you know, the, the Scotties and the Stases and the people I've gotten to work with that have helped me along when I didn't know Sikkim from Camir and the production side, the Roy Lemmels, you know, that I've gotten to work with. And everybody along the way, you know, I started off with Brad Franks. You know, he was my first flank guy. Well, his son's here competing at the NFR, That's right. kicking their butt. Yeah, um, he uh, he's my pro fantasy guy. 
And he's got Pete Carrodi on his sleeves, yeah. He does. So great family, great story there, you know. So, I mean, it's taken a lot of great people along the way that knew a whole lot more about rodeo to educate me, to understand the business. I still don't know it all, obviously, and I got a lot more to learn. But uh, we're happy where we're at. We're happy where we're going. Um, acquired some really good animals here at the sale. Uh, bought a great stud from uh, Colin Pickett the other day. Out of yeah. night jacket for our breeding program. Yeah, so night faded. Yeah, so, um, you know, super, super excited about our breeding program. I think, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years, buying the best mares, the best studs, putting them together, and we've got a lot of animals here at the NFR now that we've actually bred, which is really fun, and raised at our ranch. And so we're getting into that world, which is a whole different world that they told me about when we had five world champions. Well, I bought them all. I didn't raise them. Um, now we're starting to raise them. So it's a, it's a little different deal. It's like watching your kids play soccer. You know, you stick your chest out when they buck and you're proud of them and you're happy and you're, you know, you, you watch that. You put it together and you made it happen. You looked at the genetics and the bloodlines. You put it together and now it's working. So got to learn patience. That's what rodeo has taught me. Um, my wife says the only one I have patience with is our kids. But you really have to because it takes – five years to figure out if an idea you had works and then then all the stars got a line and you know everything has to line up to even get here or be here or be successful or the have the right matchups and the ultimate gamble yeah yeah that's what people they ask me every day they go hey you want to go gamble i say i gamble every single day yeah. <laughs> i don't need to go sit at you're a you're in the livestock <laughs> business then. yeah there ain't mo much more gambling you can do than that no kidding but well and 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 uh Pete's so fascinating in, in other ways because he's not, he's obviously very successful in the rodeo business, 12 times nominated stock contractor of the year and, and um, has great rodeos like San Angelo Stock Show and Rodeo, which is, should, sorry, should have won this year. Um, <laughs> I love rapid, but I, come on, I'm a little partial. I'm the rodeo manager at San Angelo, so I can say that. Oh. But uh, Weatherford is another one, like. I love, I've been to Weatherford years ago, and it was still, there are a lot of people, you know, it's it it great, but now they literally, they're building bigger grandstands. Are they going to do that? They were talking about it's it. It's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's nuts. Weatherford, Texas, every night, five nights, packed. Packed out. Like so literally, had to turn people away yeah, from Yeah, the fire marshal had, they had to stop letting people in. <laughs> It's unreal. And how does that rodeo not make medium-sized rodeo it blows top five? my mind. That's what I'm saying. That uh, don't get me started on the boating. Now thing. they won a lot. They won most improved with the WPRA, and they won uh, you know little trinkets along the way and nuggets. But how are they not? I mean, we we all collectively go to a lot of rodeos, see a lot of rodeos. That is a great outdoor rodeo. The, the office, one one pro rodeo drive messed up. I know. Hold on, everybody, take a breath. Gather. I know it's shocking. Um, they take 12 in an event, and they didn't have to, yeah. right, yeah. this year? Yeah. You know, they do. That's a favorite of the Cowboys. Yeah. Well, I did that. So Cowboys have they called they memories asked. this long. They said, hey, these rodeos got canceled, blah, blah, blah. Can you take more? And I go, yeah, we can. You know, we, we try to accommodate them where we can. You know, um, everybody tries to help people. Everybody helps everybody at rodeo. But that's what – but they did that, you know – didn't have to um, have entertainers every night. They got a great sound man that came in and revolutionized the whole rodeo oh, with the way, it, the way it sounds, looks, feels. Um, I really did. I did. Yeah, anyway, I really did that. So, 
Yeah. What are they called? Thanks to you. What are they called? Ronarays? What are Liner Rays. Liner Rays. <laughs> Ronarays. Uh, yeah, Weatherford Looks also. Like bananas hanging in the air. I don't know. <laughs> Pete's got a softball team that. Uh, yeah, this is Pete Carr. Tell us about the softball tournament. And no, get, I, that's so for that's it's, for, it's charity. for charity. So they have a softball game at the college, and it's the committee, which are the, it's the Parker County Sheriff's Posse, a stacked deck, no doubt. Yeah, bunch yeah. of great guys, bunch of college kids, and then don't it's aren't even on the committee. It's all Pete's crew, bullfighters, pickup man, you know. Which are uh, most T-shirt sellers, carnies, uh, <laughs> ring toss people. Yeah. I mean, whoever they can get. Well, it's in a softball field and it's slow pitch, right? Well, all these guys are just jacking home runs. And every home run, Pete whips out $100, gives it to the committee, and they give it to a charity. I, what, I don't know what charity it goes to, but yeah, give it to a, a charity. A and this year, Pete spent, what, about 3500 or something like that? Well, it's both sides. The committee does it too. So we we just made a rule because I think it's a a ladies softball field. So the yeah, field, it, the, yeah, the fence is a little short, and these kids are jacking them everywhere. So we're like, hey, what we'll do is we'll just it'll cost a hundred bucks. So I mean, Rick and them do it too, or whoever Randy, whoever the okay the the committee know, picks a hundred in if you, you hit a home. You just see us doing it more because our guys are yeah, jacking like, them more. You don't really I don't, realize. I don't remember it. it going down that way. If I recall the. Uh, Car softball team didn't have as many home runs. That's what I remember. Well, we did. We did lose this year <laughs> um, by a run. I mean, there was some there was some lineup issues and some errors. Uh, There's a lot um, of pulled muscles. Well, well we're, we're looking for – we had an interim coach. We're looking for a new coach. I mean, it's, it, there's a lot of transition going on on our team, you know. Maybe but we're working it out. Maybe What's fun get is – Maybe Lincoln Riley. He's – Yeah. <laughs> Andy Stewart announces yeah. there. Yeah. And then – Shane Harris, one of the one of the main stays on the committee, and um, I play music. Those two guys announce, and so Shane, well, they know everybody, so they just sit up there and make fun of everybody that comes up to the plate, which is which is outstanding. So, so it's it makes a posse. it makes it's, it so fun. Rump was our sideline reporter. It's a sheriff's posse. So, yeah. quick story: what I the first year I was there, you know, I was scared to death. I live other side of the Metroplex. Heard about Weatherford, knew about it, been there, but. You know, the posse, you know, it's just like you get nervous just them saying the posse wants to talk to you. So I go to the first rodeo the first year after the first performance and Shane comes up to me and he says, hey, we're fixing to play a trick on one of our posse members. You might not want to go with us. I'm like, shit, I'll go. And uh, so I get in there. What they did is they went down the road about two miles, stole a portage on put it in the back of a truck, took it back to the arena, put it in a guy's stall, one of the head committee guys, and they go, you, you, this might be your last year, you know, if you're with us. And I said, well, I didn't know we were actually going to do this. Yeah. <laughs> but it, those guys are crazy. And Shane yeah. Harris is a sheriff's deputy. Yeah. Well, they're, they're all sheriffs. I mean, that's why they're called sheriff's possible. Well, not, they're not they? all sheriffs. They're not? No. See, I'm learning. I didn't I don't know think that. so. I thought they were. They all look. They all wear a badge. Yeah, they all. They do all wear a badge. I got a badge. Well, they all are wearing white shirts about from two o'clock on. Yeah. Just hammering beer. Hundred and six degree heat. It's so hot there. This year was just so muggy, and but, you know how most rodeos cook barbecue because it's easy and and cheap. Really, you know, I get it. But so you kind of get barbecued out at the old hospitality. You do. Not in Weatherford. No. Three meals a day, pretty much. Cowboy Camp. Cowboy Camp. One of the best. Which we're right there, which they, they extended the parking because more and more of us are having trailers. Yeah. Which <laughs> the water 
because the back pins come down and the water ran right through Rump's front yard. <laughs> and it rained quite a bit this year. So four or five years ago, don't know if you heard the story of Cody Sosby and me in the, in the blow up waiting pool. No. So after the rodeo, he was selling, he, you know, he had a company where he was going around setting up these big blow up things for kids. We had a big swimming pool. Well, he sets it up as like 106, you know, he sets it up right there, right there where Rick Lee parks, you know, the yep. scoreboard yep. guys. Yep. So they parked there. So after the rodeo, it's filled up. It has at least two inches of water in it. And everybody on the committee, boots, wranglers, the whole deal, they're sliding down. They're getting, there's like 30 guys over there going through this rotation. And um, so anyway, I get the idea. I'm going to do a flip into the deal off a cooler. I was With probably two drinking. Of water in yeah, it? I was probably drinking a little bit of wine at that time. It's dark over there. The lighting's not real good. No. Um, Anyway, so about the time I did the flip in there, Sosby come down the slide and hit his head right in the middle of my back. Well, I thought I was dead, so they rolled me, they rolled me out over, and I'm laying over there flopping on the ground. And uh, so Andy Stewart, all <laughs> Andy Stewart, I know that story. Andy Stewart's wife Shelley, at which I didn't know she was a pharmacist. She comes over and she says. I got something for you. Well, she gives me something for the pain. And anyway. <laughs> you started so, seeing pink elephants. So anyway, the, my point is that water, the six inches, it started at six. It ended up at two. All the water ran down that hill all night. Well, at the bottom of that hill, guess what's there? Your bus. RV. So Sunday morning, crippled, can't walk, hungover. I get in there and crank it up, hit the. I'm stuck. There ain't nobody around. I'm trying to go home. Uh, like I've got the worst headache in the world. <laughs> you got you got a broken back from a fat rodeo and, clown. And, and Sosby comes walking over. He goes, "Hey, Mr. Pete, let me get this crate." So he's putting crates under the back tires of my RV, trying uh, to get me unstuck. Yeah. Anyway, a lot of stories at Weatherford. Great committee, great rodeo. It is. That is. I mean, <laughs> I had it one year. I lived there for eight years. I had it one year, and it was literally two miles down the back. Down the back end or exit. Then two miles, and then, then I move. Smarty pants moves. <laughs> Educate. <laughs> yeah. But now I'm 45 seconds away from my true. one of my biggest rodeos. Yeah. For um, three weeks. For three weeks. Three great weeks. April weeks. 1st to yeah. the 16th, San yeah. Angelo Rodeo. Come down in big time. Since shootout, $100,000 one night. Don't miss it. Lead, don't, don't follow. Yeah, lead, don't follow. Thank you, Cinch. Yeah. You said they do a great job. Jessica, she's awesome. It is. Oh. It is. San Angelo's, I mean, you know this. I mean, you, you take away the, the building. It's an older building, which um, we are, well, they uh, there's a bond. We, they got to vote on it, but fairly certain it'll pass. But $25 million renovation. We're going to put suites on both ends. I get people every day come up to me and say, man, San Angelo, that's my favorite rodeo. It's the best rodeo I've ever been. I can't, what, what's the dates? What, I mean, people literally put it on their calendar to come down there to that rodeo from all over the place. That's how great of production and rodeo and team that you and your group have put together. You, Glad to be a part of it. Yeah, hell yeah. And you take away the big buildings and, you know, Fort Worth or San Antonio, you can't throw Houston in. It's a complete different juggernaut. But I would put San Angelo, our production, against anybody. Well, you got the best in the business. And you have a wine tent right outside the door. And we have a wine tent. 
wonder whose idea that was. <laughs> and a beer barn. It's a good idea. The yeah. wine tent was awesome. The yeah, the, the inner tent. The wine tent is the place to be. So yeah, anyway. especially after the last performance when our executive director, all of our bosses, uh, he's over there just grabbing wine bottles off the table and handing them out. Yeah. And our vendor, <laughs> our vendor Carlo, is Italian. He's like, no, 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 you can't do, you can't do. Justin looked at him like, I write the check. Go ahead, you can do, you can do. So I think April's going to be a great time this it's year. It's going to be awesome. Because of the weather and yep. the carnival and just everybody likes coming out. We're not out. fighting all the other rodeos. We used to be in February, so we were over the, the, the we, short we round of Fort Worth on the front. And, yeah, and, and started the American the starts the next week. And there's just so much competition, and cowboys are spread so thin. The weather's iffy. If it's cold, nobody wants to come drink beer and wine and hang out. So yeah. I think April's a great move. Well, and yeah, Midway, obviously a, a big moneymaker for us. Yeah. Carnival is. I know Bluffdale or Red Bluff appreciates it. Um, and yeah, those James, guys out there. James is yeah. probably not too thrilled with us, but. No, they're he's fine. He's okay. They're fine. It's only one weekend. It's only the last I weekend. I told him he won the Ramuda. Be quiet. Yeah. I mean, he won a Polaris. And it really should only be one day, really, because our short round, see, guys, if they're up Friday at a rodeo, say, okay, they're up, they draw up uh, Friday at Red Bluff. Well, they make the short round at San Angelo on Friday. Well, there is a rule in the PRCA that if you are in a short round of a rodeo, you can get replaced at the other rodeo you're at. So there's really only one yeah. night that they, they may get replaced. Now, I, I mean, somebody may turn out, because I don't think they start, they go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right? Yeah. Out there? And Saturday is the cinch shootout, so that we take top five from 2021, top five from 2022. So those guys are not going to enter. Which sells for that out night. what? Five minutes? 13. 13 minutes. And last year, 13 minutes yeah. we sell out. Charge more. So those guys aren't going to do it, and we don't rodeo on Sunday. So it's all good yeah. in the hood. But anyway, we're, well, uh, we, we thank you uh, so much for your support of, of this podcast two years in a row. Um, I know Rump's supporting over there at his show. Um, at the Orleans. Every night, if you want a badass watch party, go over to the Orleans. I want to come one night, maybe. Here's, here's your man. If I don't have anything out, I'll, see, like if I, I'll see if I can get you a seat. <laughs> so, <laughs> Tallman let, sits in there all night. Don't let that mean lady talk to me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Tell me what Tallman said about the chili cheese fries you ordered. Uh, so last night, my mom and my wife and uh, Tanya Lovelace and uh, Ashley Mooney, Roger Mooney's wife, and Carly Servi, they were sitting in the in our little VIP box with Tallman, and uh, they ordered chili cheese fries from TGI Fridays. So they're over there, and they open up this delicious, gooey box of wonderful cheese fries. Well, Tallman's on a diet, you know? So he looks over at my mom and goes, she was eating one, and he goes, I hope you girls all get sick. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, of course, we had Rip from Yellowstone on the front row. He was there last night. He saw the whole thing, so... <laughs> Yeah, so what a great time. Pete Car sponsors. That, and at the watch party, we give away a, a lot of Pete Car. We got T-shirts and sweatshirts Ooh. and all kinds of cool stuff. So right here. Yeah. What's so that? We start at oh. 5 five fifteen over there, so come see us tonight. And Pete Car, thank you for what you do for yeah. Rodeo, and thanks for c dropping by and seeing us. And thanks for having me. You can go to carprorodeo.com and, and uh, check their schedule and make one of their rodeos. Because it is a blast. So throw these out. how about a round of applause for Pete Carr, everybody? Thousand people, Pete Carr. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you, brother. Oh, Pistol Pete. What am I? What am I doing? I got to get on this. This thing's messed up. Now my computer's not playing. So uh, our next guy, we want to bring up to the stage. Uh, 
How do you describe this guy? Well, okay, this is how I would describe him. Um, in all of rodeo and being a barrel man, being a barrel man actually, truthfully, kind of sucks, okay? Like, being a rodeo clown is awesome, but, man, when you start working fighting bulls and you go to those bullfights and you're getting hit going wide open by 1,400-pound Mexican fighting bulls, it kind of sucks. And, you know, I said I've told, actually told this guy this before. You know, in, in when they give away – uh, when I received the buckle for the Coors Mannequin that said I was the best barrel man, I, while I accepted the buckle and the $10,000, I thought to myself, I'm not the best barrel man because there is only one guy in the world that I would call the best. And this guy saved more lives than 150 emergency rooms, okay? The best barrel man there ever has been, probably ever will be, the toughest son of a gun. And he's an Oki. He's an Oki. They called the bull god. From the BFO, Andy North, everybody. Yeah, see that? That's the razor shot. And this, this is just going to be an abbreviated version. We are going to get a long rump chat with Andy because uh, in the future because this dude is awesome. And I, I actually mean it when I do say that you are the toughest guy at rodeo because – if anybody out there, we got a lot of BFO fans. You know, Hambone and myself, uh, very involved with the BFO and get to work. I don't like to work the events in the barrel, and I don't hardly do it at all if possible. But the cool thing is when we get to get together like at Dallas, I was the entertainer, and you were the barrel man. So I didn't have to do it, but uh, it's it's so good to have you on here, Andy, and, and you are a tough sucker. And you guys just got done for the first weekend, right? We did, and thank you. Thank you for having me. And Thank you again for the the accolades. I, I really appreciate it. that, man. I mean, and I told you that at Dallas, too. You did. It's and, true. And again, I and appreciate it. If you watch, um, um, I don't know if any of the 15,000 people here that are here live uh, went to a BFO, but this guy gets his gears throttled. I mean, those bulls, there's not a lot of shutting down because when they're, when they're running kind of free like that, guys are usually behind them trying to, you know, there's no shutting it down like you normally would. I have a guy, you know, shut him out, and you don't wear a hat to at least try to throw at him because you wear a helmet very smartly. Um, and you get hit full force by 1,000-pound going, well, I don't know, 20 mile an hour. Fast, right? And <laughs> I just, I, I'm so glad when you went to wearing the, the helmet because you have a family, and we wanted to see you speak after you're 60, and, uh, you know, not go insane and, and have all those brain injuries you can have because, I don't know, I, I've, I've, like, like Rump said, I've watched a lot of BFOs, been, been a part of them for, since the beginning, and you're just, you're probably the greatest asset that that brand has, I would say. I mean, you've been there uh, from the beginning. There's been different production stuff coming along, come and go, but you've been the main thing there. There's been different leaders. Um, there's different music, like I said, a bunch of different things. But besides you, I mean, you have carried that and, and that team. And, and guys, young guys come to you for um, for advice. You give, you lend a hand. You're, you're, you're so good with young guys coming up. And, and I know that they appreciate it. And I just, I don't think you get told that enough. Yeah. Well, now thanks. let's quit being nice to you. Now that you have to answer some questions. Yeah. So now tell us about some crazy shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> How the I, I want to know this, and I, I've never asked you this before. Do you ever feel after working these events, because this ain't just one or two bulls, you know, you're working 
a at least lot. 12 to 15. I mean, uh, how in the world do you keep going every weekend? Okay, so in all honesty, like the helmet helps. It, you yeah. know, like I caught a lot of shit for that helmet, and I, and I don't care. Because, Who cares? Those guys are idiots. Uh, that thing is a lifesaver. And if anything, it just emboldened me. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, now I need to worry less about my head hurting. Well, let's just get a little closer. Let's go a little faster. Like, uh, it really changed the game for me. And so it's, uh, that's part of it. So the helmet, you know, kind of takes that um, away. And then I do a lot. I don't want to call it yoga because that is a that, no, that's running no, fast. Yoga. No, yeah. yeah, you do yoga. No, I, no look, I love the idea of yoga and doing it. But I do it so poorly, it should just be called, like, intentional stretching. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so just that. Just try to, you know, and I do, like, old man push-ups and sit-ups. And What's an old man push-up? Well, like push-ups, just, you know. Can we see one? I, I don't know what you're talking about. I, d- what, I don't want to really – I got to do push-ups? Well, you're in great shape for, for an <laughs> old man. Well, like, because I call them old man push-ups because my son is always like, come on, old man, let's go to the gym. And I'm like, I don't want to pick up heavy things and put them down repeatedly. Like, Except for a clown barrel when you're running after a fighting bull and somebody gets hooked down. <laughs> yeah, but I keep that thing light. Well, you know, th- and that's the, the coolest part that you do – if, if you get a chance to go to the BFO, watch Andy. Because when those guys, when you watch their, their sometimes their old feet, when they get a little heavy from running in that dirt and they start slowing down, if you look out of the corner of your eye, Andy's creeping in with that barrel. But you never really see the barrel move until it needs to be in the right spot. And then, boom, there you are. Yeah, so I learned that uh, working in big pins and for Rex Dunn. Yeah, right? the great <laughs> Rex Dunn. So when I first started, uh, we fought bulls together. Yeah, right? I remember so when you got the crap hooked out of you by Do You one year at Lawton. Yeah, you know, I still, I, I can show you that later if you want. Yeah. Uh, no, show everybody. And so 311, right? 311, do you? 311, Annie North 311, though, that's what that's about. And inside that other barrel, that you know, what barrel y'all use, I have a 311 inside that. And that's all for Rex Dunn. I mean, that's, yeah. that's that. But so when I was fighting bulls and he, you know, he's talking to him and he's like, hey, man, you ever want to try working the barrel? And. Like, I don't know, Rex. And he's like, no, I think you'd be really good at it. Like, just give it a shot. And like everything else you do in rodeo, the first time you do it for free, right? (laughs) Of course. No problem. Uh, First bull out, first bullfight that I worked, uh, first bull that comes out, I drop to the bottom. And Ryan Rodriguez brings the barrel out, and we're we're covering it uh, 30 minutes before the perf starts. Is you know, there's a handle in it, and then there's a rope that is tied on the floor and taped to the rim. So I've got this, you know, this rope thing's running up the side of the deal. So I've got one handle and a rope, and uh, and Ryan's like, all right. So when you drop into this thing, just kind of like stay loose and try to fall and time it. So you know, like a drunk person, it'll hit it. You'll it'll just roll around you. Yeah, well, I tried it, and I went straight to the bottom, and the bull hits it, and the next thing that comes through that barrel is his horn, and it catches me right uh. under my left butt cheek and goes all the way to my knee, the back of my knee, just rips the my baggies out, and they're baggies that Rex had given me, right? So, I like, I've got all this. First bull. Uh, probably the three bulls after that, I'm actually going to have to go, like, make a save, and I friggin' eat it. I mean, just tumble the, it. Do you do the run with the barrel and your feet got caught? Oh, I've done that a lot. Or clip them on the back of the rim with your heel. Oh, jeez, what a fresh hell is that? Yeah, <laughs> oh that <my> sucks. God. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I dumped it, and I sucked at it. But Rex would always tell me, he was like, keep working to get closer, but if you pulled that bull off that bullfighter, we're both going to whip your ass. 
and he meant it. So that's how I learned to do that was just start to watch him and kind of cheat and and then go fast when you need to go fast. Well, when you were talking about the helmet, though, like uh, the helmet now it's like a thing. You've made it a thing because I, I follow all bullfighting. Uh, you know, while I'm too fat and old to fight bulls, I, I love watching it, being a part of it. And there's a lot of younger guys now that are wearing the helmets that have the black hockey helmets. So you really have got that deal rolling. I think that's a great idea. You should. I, I would actually like to have one myself, but I don't want to get in the barrel anymore. I call my barrel the round ring of death where dreams go to die. Okay? Because I've, I've taken some wrecks in there, and I think that's what some people don't understand. When you get hit in, the, in, a, in a clown barrel, you feel it. It's not just, you know, I, I sometimes when the uh, announcer be like, how many people want to see the clown get hit in the barrel? <laughs> and everybody cheers and the bull smokes it. And then the next day you're doing the Rob Smets, you know, <laughs> where you can't hardly move. But it, 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 sometimes it hurts. When a bull don't get a horn in the barrel, it still hurts a lot sometimes. So both of my hips are bruised right now. And that was just from Thursday and Friday. You know, and you're like, bruised on your hips. Yeah, I mean, you're inside it, but you get knocked loose. So you're bouncing around in there and. Uh, the, which is, it, it gets rank when it gets hit and goes real fast and then a sudden stop into like the corner post or whatever. The yeah, because these arenas are small yeah. that you're in. <laughs> yeah, like and, 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 but these bulls get to go in at a high rate of speed. And I, I don't know, I think some of it too is, is the young guys just that don't know exactly. They don't, they don't take so, care of the barrel man. But it, it, it's so hard with the, I mean, when you got a young guy fighting a super hot bull, I mean, that I've seen because now there's so many bullfights. They're, 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 when the BFO came back, it started a revolution again. It started over, the excitement. And now, and then, you know, things happen, and now there's, you know, Shorty's got his ABF bullfights, and then there's now the UBF, there's that. So I don't know, when you try to do these events, you try to get these guys to come in, and these bulls are so hot they've got now um, as a whole. I don't know. I, I think a lot of guys are just getting smoked off, and I, they seem scared. Do you think? I mean, it's because it's tough, and I don't blame them. I mean, these are some bad cats, so <laughs> it's a very scary event. And I'm not saying that, and you got to be scared when you're. If you're not scared, you, there's something wrong. But um, I don't know. I just I see a guy, and he's off on the fence, and then you're just getting rolled across it from here to that green curtain, and wham up against there, and then you're laying there. You know, until somebody can get to you, but they're trying. Somebody else gets hooked, and the other <laughs> safety guys are trying to get him off of him. And there you are laying there. You know, there's. It's just. I don't know. It's. It's. I don't know what I'm trying to say with this. I'm just, or how to put this. There's just some of the the, the young guys are not taking care. They, of will, they will sell out their barrel man every yeah. now and then. I'm not saying any names, but. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they'll burn them, right? Name three of the guys you hate. Just kidding. <laughs> Well, no, I mean, seriously, I mean, have you ever went to a guy and kind of jerked his chain and said, hey, get, you can't do that to me? Yes, and, I, and I've really started to mellow, so, like, that happened quite a bit in our, on uh, Thursday. Uh, just kind of – Were they I a lot of young sometimes. guys? Were uh, they guys qualifying? 
so it's just some stuff happened, you know, like some bulls baying up a little bit and, and just, just some things, right? And, yep. and here's the thing. When those guys are trying to check them down, if they're not right behind the barrel, they're not going to check the bull down. And I don't know how we could communicate this any better because bullfighters don't freaking listen. But they want to stand beside you and hold on to the rim. First off, <laughs> get rid of, let go, right? Yeah. Like you don't need to just, you're going to try to pull us both over. But they want to stand beside you. And then they jump out in a big flag, and then they come hide behind the barrel. And that didn't do anything but gain that bull about another six feet to KO you, right? Like teeing up, like teeing up the old football. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right? So then if you're behind it, then it's one object. Then it looks like a cape, and they step out, and they'll melt them. Like they'll put their nose in the dirt when they do it right. But the guys just don't do that. And, and I think some of that, like uh, – in years past, and the, we people would say, you got to take care of your barrel, man. You need to show that you can control that and work those things. And uh, I think some of that in the sport has changed because you, you want to see mercy rolls and you want to see some front flips. You want to see those big moves. And, and probably that would take the place of the barrel man. And then here's the other thing is that I, I, I don't want to make it about me, but some of what I've tried to do with that particular position is show that it's not just there for the oohs and ahs, that it's actually a functioning like piece a safety of tool. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm the best insurance policy you can get, right? Yep. At, at least for one time. And <laughs> if they set us up, then great. Um, but just kind of changing that. So for, enough, for a couple of years, though, we were talking to guys about staying away from that barrel, and we really kind of, as this, we have progressed in it, started to look at how many times, like, when the bull hits the barrel, it takes him down. I mean, if you think about energy meters and video games and those kind of things, when it gets hit hard, it's going to knock some of that energy down. Well, why would you do that to yourself as a bullfighter just to show, you know, I can control this barrel when the truth is you probably can't because you're just not heavy enough. You know, they're going to get the end of it. Uh, and I think a lot of is we're just taking away that focus, and there's not probably not enough work at it. And that's why guys just don't really. Well, and do it's well totally different. If you know, what you're doing is, is can't even you can't even compare that to what they used to do. Like if you watch the old Wrangler bullfighting videos at the NFR and the Thomas and Mack, they'd have two barrels, one up front and one in the back. But those guys never really used those barrels to pick anybody off. They used you know uh, back then they would make two or three rounds and use the barrel to for barrel hops and whatever. But uh, and I'm not knocking the, those guys because they're great. They're, you know, the great barrel men like Ted Kimsey and oh, yeah. those guys. They, Rudy Burns, yeah, amazing. Legends. But you yeah. never you never see – they. it's a whole different style in today's. And not that, that back then was wrong or today's right. It's just a whole different style. Like if you if we had the bullfights at the Thomas Mack, obviously you're not going to start, you know, 30 foot out like they used to. Right, and then, so, like, think about, like, size change in animals, too, as the years have progressed. When you watch those videos of the NFR and Ted Kimsey packing it to them big high horn somethings, you know. Yeah, you know, purple people. Yeah, 141, yeah. yeah, you know, the big honky bulls. And then, you know, as we came down and then started to go through, like, as the Wrangler rounds kind of ended, and then we kind of moved into that, uh, the 90, late 90s and early 2000s, Rex was running a bunch of them cross bloods and, you know, Why they, me? Yeah. yeah, you know, and they're still big, but they were starting to get smaller. And then now you see these Toro de Lydia come in, and they're fast and small, and guys can do a little more creative stuff. And I think that's a big thing, you know, like for guys like us that have seen it for years and watched them and watched them and watched them, while a step through is a nice 
technical move. It's classy shit. I want to see somebody get some airtime, you know. Dude, there's, I want to see some mercy rolls. You know what I mean? Like yeah. Some well, that, stuff that an ordinary guy can't do. Yeah, that that's what do. happens a lot of times, especially with rodeos, you know. They play the highlight video, and they're seeing all these flips and rollovers and, and uh, whatever uh, Bo does, the, the slide. Uh, um, spine grind. Spine grind and all this stuff. And then, <laughs> and then it never happens like at a rodeo because it would be like a three-rounder, you know. So they're all just doing the regular stuff. and So it kind of bites you there. But what what's one bull uh, that – when he's loaded, you go, ah, shit. Is it Hugh Hefner? It was. It was. They just retired him. Yeah, so of the recent Bulls, yeah, that would be one. Yeah, of, the re yeah, of, yeah. of today's Bulls. When, when yeah. they came in, you know, and I remember like in 2018 when they uh, loaded Hugh in the back pens at San Antonio. And those bright lights are shining on him back there, and he's all glistened up and just, he's beautiful. That is I've never described. I've worked a lot of fight bulls, and I've never thought one was all glistened up and looked beautiful. I, every time I see him, like shit. Oh no! I like I really love him. Like I just I'd rather be around the animals than people, really. So I, I love it from the stands. But oh yeah, uh, going back to Rex's, I know Big Bear here. A uh, few years ago, a few lbs ago, was a uh, pretty pretty okay bow fighter. And, pretty okay. Uh, pretty okay. And uh, I believe you were there at Rex's, were you not, the day that uh, Rump's back door got bent? Oh, no, that was, at, that was at Greeley. That was not at Rex's. Oh. But we did, he was there when we, uh, Rex had a, a Zebu Mexican fighting bull cross with one horn that stuck straight up in the air, called him Fang. And uh, that bull was notorious for, for hitting you in the... <laughs> The area, the did you he, ever get he there? He had good placement, right? Yeah, he hooked Andy <laughs> in the in the uh, the buns, let's say, right? And he was a bad bull, but back in those days of Rex's, when everybody would hang out down there, Doug Frizzani and John Brogan and and uh, Eddie Hatfield and the whole crew used to all Frank chill. Frank Newsom and all those. And I was Johnson. I was very young. I, I was in high school, and it, my mind was was blown. And you know, Rex did have the big bulls, and that's one of my pet peeves about today with uh, different people when everybody goes, where's the big fight bulls? By God, where's the crossbred? By God, back in the day, they used to fight the big bulls. You can't find them. They're not around. They're just, they're not. Rex could, you know, pull off his 6E bulls, but the 6E, they're, they're not around. I mean, people aren't breeding 2,000-pound fighting bulls like they used to. They're just not there. No, and why would you, right? I mean, well, I don't they're well, big and scary. Yeah, but weren't they? I, would I mean, weren't they just, I mean, the, the old, the big high horn brindle, I mean, they were just bucking bulls that didn't buck but were really mean. I mean, that's how it kind of came about, right? Or were they breeding them back then? I don't know. Like, that's probably before me as far as, like, did they come on? Now, do I think that they bucked a lot of fighting bulls? Yeah. Yeah. Like, they yeah, bucked why me after they got done fighting. Ooh, I would not want to be that Can you bad. imagine selling a roll without a high horn some? Oh, uh, what? No. Well, wouldn't it be cool, though, if you could put together a pen of big bulls and do old school? But that's the but who's going to fight them? I, you're right. You're right. None of the guys, none of the kids today are going to fight them. Nobody's going to fight them. I'd rather um, watch a young kid with a hot Mexican fighting bull that he can do stuff with rather than a 2,000-pound high horn monster that he makes one pass with, goes to the barrel, and spends the rest of the time on the fence. That's my opinion. And I think that's what it would be, a lot of, of running fence to fence. I mean, 
because those they're old hard to get around. Too, yeah, well, know. they're hard to yeah, and they they you can't just sit there and do a fake. You had to get you had to bring it to them. Right, and you know that's something throwing a fake on those big bulls like that. There's no caping. <laughs> <laughs> just hit the horn, man. You'll lose, you're you'll lose your arm. <laughs> yeah, if you screw up, I mean, you can't. Like I I I always say, you can't call a timeout bullfighting. No. Would be handy. All right. So, in your opinion, who's the greatest of all time? Freestyle freestyle bullfighter. Now let's make it top five. Top five. That'll be okay. easier. Top three. I'll top three. I'll meet you in the middle, Rob. Okay, so I Stop have compromising. So <laughs> to me that is a loaded question. Right? Don't you spin this shit juicy no, on us? Look, so when you say Don't the greatest back. of all time, like what makes somebody great? Hear me out. So, like, yep. if okay. and I'll throw this at you from a barrel man's perspective, okay? So, like, if you think of, like, Jazz Bowl Ferguson, who used, was the first one to say, hey, guys, let's hide in this thing, and we'll put some inner tubes around it and whatever. And then you get a little more innovation with, say, uh, Jimmy Schumacher, who knocks the bottom out of it so now that we can move it. And then it's just kind of stagnant. But when you think about it needs to be the impression upon the sport, right? You think of basketball, who's the greatest of all time? Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Thank God. Good response, gentlemen, right? Yeah, absolutely. Right? So then, but why, though? Because he has an impression upon the sport. You can't think of basketball and not think of that. So when you say greatest of all time, how do you spill that? Do you say that, do you go like, well, do, do we look at the guy who probably put the biggest mark as far as fitness on the game goes? Or the, the bleaching and the starching of the baggies for style? Do we talk about guys who have just tied one on to the one of the rankest SOB and Bulls like, and has the high score? What makes somebody the greatest? You just blew my mind. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't wow. Uh, you should be a politician. Who, 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 who is the, the best at actually fighting Bulls? Forget the baggies. Forget everything else. Who's the best fighting Bulls? I mean, because you, you go back to the uh, – Rob or Frank, Joe today's, today's Weston. Oh, Joe Bum, yeah. He went well, 14 I'm talking, years, free, I'm talking right? about freestyle. Okay, so freestyle. Skipper, not, Skipper not Voss. Not how about Skipper Voss then? He was here the other day, yeah, too. Skipper, how, okay, right so how about Skipper Voss? How here's, about here's why I would say Skipper Voss might be the greatest of all time as far as like an impact on the sport. He didn't do clown acts, man. Like that guy went and fought bulls and made a legitimate living just fighting bulls, and nobody else was doing that at the time. Everybody was doing acts and fighting bulls, and he didn't have to do that. Yeah, and and one name, uh, Fergus just helped me out too. A guy that was I remember when I first did Denver years ago. This will be 14 years this year, and uh, it was the first time I met him. But he had already been so established in the game, uh, and, and we lost him. But Ross, Ross has got to be. Ross has got to be up there. Maybe. Ross. So I think probably a legend gets used. We're going a little fast and loose sometimes with the word legend. Oh, yeah. But Did I say legend? I didn't think I said it. No, no, no. It. But it does. I hate when people go, what a legend. No, but like Ooh. think about that. When you think about like energy and what he brought as far as a figure into the sport and what he could do, that dude fought the some bad mamma jammas, and he did it consistently. And like he would always say, I'm, I'll use you, but I never need you. It, because I think Ross was like that. He was that generation that was on the end of the big bulls and then morphed into today's bulls. You know, he, he, he spanned those two generations. 
He did. So that's, I think, I think, and he's one of the few guys that's really done that, in my opinion. This is just simply Hambone's opinion. But I, I think, and I'm not calling him the greatest of all time. It's, again, you're right. It's, it is very hard to call the greatest of all time unless it is a Michael Jordan or um, Tom Brady, you know, but someone like that. But, uh, but I, I think he spanned those two. So he fought the biggest, the, those big bad boys and, and the hot Hugh Hefners and, and I can't think of any bulls right now. I don't know. I've, I've seen a thousand. Red Rover, uh, Rank Frank. Little Richard. Shag Nasty. Shag Nasty. Oh, yeah. So, but anyway, uh, it, it's a good conversation. It's a good conversation. Yeah, we will. We got to. We got to get. In the future, when we get, have you back on, we're going we're gonna to get more into that because the one name you forgot, Lloyd Ketchum. Oh, fought right. all the bad ones. See, that's, that's right. the thing. Fought too. all we the bad ones. We could go on and on. We, so, we really could. So, do you think that, like, it, since blo mind blown, right? So, do you think that every generation has their greatest? Absolutely. Or do you, so, there you go. Then you could go. Well, who was the greatest in the '80s? Who who was the greatest at the tail end of the at the Wrangler rounds? Who you know, the, I mean, because you then would you say, say, well, shit, Andy Braille hung a '96 on Why Me and Lawton, like, or, or or you know, Donnie Gay won eight world titles, but you know, Sage has won six, and with, with today's bulls, completely different bulls. You know, <clears throat> there was ranked bulls back in Donnie's day. Don't yeah. get me wrong, but he rode a lot of bulls that way. They would cut their heads off now. I mean, that's just what it was. They, it's a different – the breeding program, and he's the first to tell you, it's a different game. So It is a different game. So, so would you say, you know, question. how could you say Sage is better than him? He's got eight, uh, two more world titles, but Sage has done it in today's buck and bull world. Okay. Oh, you got a point. Let's well, go. I got one for you. So, like, when Rump – and we didn't give enough time with, on Rump's bullfighting days. Like, when this big sexy bastard would show up to the pen – Everybody got I'm scared. I'm not lying to you, ladies. I'm not. Like, it was not a fun thing. To, it was like, son of a bitch, Rump's here. You know, and I mean, he was here winning? Oh, winning? He I'm was winning everything. Hearts, really? minds, bullfights. He, <laughs> oh, God. He was a Greek god. Like, he, I'm telling you. Do you owe him money? No. I was scared to death is what the deal was. Like. <laughs> yeah, so he comes in and he fights bulls. Now, remind you, when we fought bulls, and then he, he disappears for a while. He had injury and stuff and then comes back, and I see – I see Rump at Manhattan, Kansas. I'm there fighting some bulls, and he's in the back pens. He's like, hey, Andy. And I look. I, the voice is right. <laughs> well, I never, I never really recovered. What, what happened was after, and I'll tell you this. I mean, I'm, I'm completely honest. I, I never recovered. I, the whole time that I was skinny and fought bulls, I was never, I was scared to death. And the, the way the freestyle bullfighting goes, I was scared when I left the house, I was scared when I got there. When I'd walk into the arena before I called for my fighting bull, I'd go, what in the hell are you doing? This is so dumb. <laughs> and then I'd do good, and I'd be like, this is the best feeling in the world. But after my injury, after, you know, for everybody who's heard the story, after I spent two weeks in ICU in Colorado, yeah. about died, and I came back, and uh, I've I was like, man, let's get back, and we were, you were there too, uh, when Rex Dunn had his bullfight in Ada, Oklahoma, and Rex said, hey, I got a spot if you want in, and everybody's like, are you going to do it? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine, and uh, I went down there and and uh, got around my first bull pretty good, and the second bull broke my jaw, and I said, nah, this ain't going to work, and then I got fat, and now here I am, so <laughs> pretty much. 
Well, I think if you look at like where but probably the benefit in is, like yeah, in I the mean, long I'm term, it was a it was a win, right? Yeah, probably but that's not the way that's the down. thing. My heart wasn't in it, and in in our in your line of work and with with the fighting bulls, if you're not totally invested in it, if you don't love it to death, if you don't crave it, you are in trouble because getting hooked sucks. Like <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah, I don't know why you would want to do it if it wasn't something that you just felt like you had to do for reasons that you couldn't explain, right? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's it. Like, I'm with you. When I was freestyling bulls, I'd rather been in hell with a broke back than trapped to call for one. You know, my wife, she'd always be times like, damn, you're kind of hard to get along with. And then switched over to that barrel, and it was just like kind of just – it felt right. Everything was like, oh. Weight lifted this off is, you. Yeah, and then it just started to become a thing of like, oh, God, now what are we going to do with it? It's starting to get fun and uh, just kind of change it. Well, we thanks for coming by, brother. Like I said, we got, <coughs> excuse me, we got to do this again when we got some more time, but uh, we got to run, and uh, we thank um, 8 million of you out there listening and watching. Yeah. Um, it's so great. But, uh, yeah, tomorrow we'll uh, – we got some tickets to give away. Um, Plaza's real ones. I don't know. Follow, check our uh, social media. We may have some changes coming. So, uh, oh, tomorrow coming here, uh, JJ Hampton. That is going to be interesting. I mean, somewhere. So, so. Uh, yeah. Anyway, thanks to Andy North. Thanks everybody. Thank Pendleton thanks Whiskey, Pete Carr for coming on today, and thank you all here. Thanks for listening at home. We'll check you later. See you tomorrow. Looking for adventure in whatever.